Hello and welcome to All Things Urticaria from Medthority. In this series of podcasts, our host, Professor Marcus Maurer, is joined by his friends and colleagues to discuss all things urticaria. Over to Professor Maurer. Hello and welcome back to All Things Urticaria, your UCARE podcast. My name is Marcus Maurer and today I have with me my friend, colleague and angioedema expert, Marcus, Marcus Magal. Marcus is uh, the head of the angioedema clinic here at the UCARE and ACARE in Berlin. And we will talk about uh, what angioedema is and how to deal with it. Glad to have you on board, Marcus. Thanks for inviting me. I'm happy to be here. Look, let's jump right in. What is angioedema? Well, angioedema is, is um, a body fluid that is not in the right place. <laughs> this body fluid is outside of the vessels and um, accumulates in the tissue. So how do I know that I have angioedema? What does that look like? Oh, you can see it. You can see it. For example, it, it's a swelling. Okay. Um, it's a swelling and you can see it mostly on the lips, on the eyes, sometimes on the hands, uh, sometimes on the genitals, but also in internal organs. Your, your gut also can um, um, display a swelling. You can't see that, or you can't see it only if the swelling is extremely mm. severe when, when the belly is, is, is bloated up. Yeah. But usually uh, the symptoms of a swelling in the gut are extreme painful colics. And, and angioedema is common in patients with urticaria, chronic urticaria. Oh, I see hundreds. I see hundreds of them every year. It's, it's the, the vast majority of the patients with urticaria uh, suffer from recurrent angioedema. So. Well, some of the recent studies have shown that up to 70% of patients with chronic spontaneous urticaria have angioedema during the course of their, um, of their disease. And uh, some of them with wheels, actually the majority, most of them, most yeah. of them with wheels, uh, but some never have wheels, um, and uh, that can be quite difficult to diagnose. Yeah, these 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 persons, these patients are a challenge because um, if if wheels and angioedema occur concom concomitantly, um, the diagnosis is easy. It's in ninety nine point something percent. It's urticaria and and. I don't need any any blood uh, test or something. However, if if um, the angioedema appears isolated without any other symptoms, um, it's it's a it's a couple of of differential diagnoses to mm. consider in these patients. So, like like what? What is important to recognize? Well, the most frequent. Um, uh, differential diagnosis is ACE inhibitor-induced angioedema. ACE so, stands for angiotensin converting enzyme. Enzyme, and it's uh, is this enzyme plays a role in in blood pressure regulation. Yeah. And um, many people take ACE inhibitors. When inhibiting ACE, uh, the blood pressure is is going down, and that's why mm. it's one of the most prescribed drugs worldwide. And it has a rare uh, side effect, and this side effect is angioedema. 
and this has nothing to do with mast cells that cause the angioedema in chronic urticaria. Yeah, yeah. Nothing, nothing at all. So many people believe it's a kind of allergic reaction. However, this reaction to, to this TWAC ACE inhibitor is not allergic, but it's a, it's a pharmacological side effect. And in some patients, um, 0.3, 0.4% of the patients taking ACE inhibitor probably a kind of genetic alteration mm. make these patients susceptible uh, for this side effect and um, they, they can develop uh, this kind of angioma. Yeah. Which by the mechanism is much more similar to other bradykinin mediated forms of angioedema such as hereditary angioedema. It's, it's, um, it's, it's, a same direction, but the mechanism is different. Another kind of angioedema, <clears throat> like hereditary angioedema, there is um, an excess of bradykinin production. But in ACE inhibitor uh, produced uh, induced angioedema, there is um, um, impaired neutralization of uh, produced bradykinin. So it it. Uh, at the end, it's the same. It's an excess of bradykinin. One is due to uh, excess of production. The other is uh, an excess of bradykinin due to um, impaired uh, neutralization metabolism. Sure. And that also explains why patients with ACE inhibitor-induced angioedema or hereditary angioedema do not benefit from the treatments that work in urticaria-associated angioedema, like antihistamines yeah. and omalizumab. Absolutely. They don't benefit from diagnostics like skin prick tests, um, a very typical uh, feature in, in diagnostic of allergy, um, as well as they don't benefit from the drugs used in allergy as well. Not at all. So there are many different types of angioedema that fall into these two groups. Mast cells make the one type and uh, bradykinin is involved in the other. They look similar just by the looks, but are very different and also come with different burden, impairment, risk. How dangerous is angioedema? Yeah. Coming back to your first, to the first part of your question, after almost 20 years in, in working in this field, I'm, I'm still not able to differentiate mm. this kind of angioedema just by looking at it. Mm. So uh, patients show me photos, I see the patients, uh, but still I need uh, lots of questions, history taking and lab. Um, differentiate these angioedema. So by pure looking on it, at it, I, I can't differentiate it. And um, that's why in the first visit, I can't tell the patient how dangerous their angioedema is yeah. because there are dangerous forms. Not all type of angioedema is dangerous. How dangerous is angioedema when you have chronic spontaneous urticaria? Just a little, little bit. So there are some forms or some reports <clears throat> that patient might have suffered from some kind of, of um, impairment of breath. However, suffocation or death by suffocation is, is extremely rare or doesn't exist. Yeah. 
Now, I've never heard of any case of uh, a lethal angioedema in chronic spontaneous urticaria, which is very different from hereditary angioedema. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, in hereditary angioedema, um, not only the tongue, like in urticaria, but also the larynx, um, so so the the um, upper airways, upper airways can um, be be part of the swelling, and this is the the thinnest part in the airways. Mm -hmm. And if this uh, tiny part of the airways uh, gets an angioedema, um, patients can suffocate uh, due to the swelling in the airways, and, and that happens. It happens to fifty percent of all patients with hereditary angioedema. Once, at least once in their life, they will suffer from a laryngeal attack. And in in earlier times, not so long ago, yeah. in earlier times, up to um, half of these patients uh, with uh, laryngeal edema died. Um, not not all of them died in the first laryngeal attack. Some of them survived several laryngeal attacks, but it was a high percentage of mortality in, in these patients. So that's important then to recognize what type of angioedema because the risk. Yeah. Um, is so different. I want to come back to how to do that. You said you look at the swelling, which often isn't there when the patient is with you in your office. No? So you, you look at the pictures of the swelling and still you can tell, um, is this uh, urticaria associated? Is this bradykinin mediated? Um, are there things that patients can tell us that would make us think more one way or the others? Or in other words, what questions are good questions to ask to someone who has recurrent angioedema to figure out what the underlying cause is? So in history taking, uh, I focus on the, on the clinical and, and uh, pathophysiological differences between histamine or muscle-mediated angioedema and bradykinin-mediated angioedema. Mm. And so, for example, uh, uh, asking for ACE inhibitor. Okay. It's one question, only one question, extremely important. Yes. And if a patient answers yes on the question, do you take an uh, ACE inhibitor, yeah. um, things seem to be very clear. Yeah. Um, a feature of hereditary angioedema is is the the heritage, as the name says, sure. it's inherited, and if a disease is inherited, I would expect that some other family members are suffering from the same disease. So okay. I ask the patients if there's anybody in the family, parents, uh, siblings, childrens, uh, uncles as well. Um, if they suffer from similar symptoms, yeah. and if there's a clear family history, um, I have a very decisive hint to um, uh, hereditary angioedema. What if not? You know, there are spontaneous mutations where then people are the first in their yeah. family to uh, um, uh, develop hereditary angioedema. What are other questions that give you a better idea? We, we spoke about laryngeal edema mm. and the risk of suffocation, and there is no risk of suffocation in urticaria, high risk of suffocation in hereditary angioedema, and there's another clinical, um, very important difference between mast cell mediated and bradykinin, and this is the involvement 
of internal organs. So okay. I told you about the abdominal attacks, the extremely painful abdominal yeah. attacks. This happens um, mostly, almost exclusively in hereditary angioedema, very rarely in ACE inhibitor induced angioedema, very rarely, and almost never, uh, at least in this extent, uh, in chronic spontaneous urticaria. Okay, so there are a couple of questions that can help you and guide maybe further testing, um, which is all the more important because both of these types of angioedema can be treated quite well, no? Angioedema and chronic spontaneous urticaria responds to antihistamines, Maybe not in all patients. We know that uh, many patients, despite taking antihistamines and even high doses of antihistamines, continue to um, develop angioedema. But then omalizumab comes into play, and that's quite effective. So it's it's they can be treated, and they should be treated, even if if um, chronic spontaneous urticaria is is not life threatening. There's no risk mm. of suffocation. However. Uh, the impairment in quality of life usually is very high in these patients, yeah. higher than in patients with only wheels, for example. Of course, understandably so. No, it uh, yeah. probably puts a lot of fear into patients, uh, or can, uh, to develop these unpredictable swellings. And um, many patients do not know that there is no risk of suffocation, and they are afraid maybe of going to sleep at night and not waking up in the morning. They still have the fear. They yeah. still, even if I tell them, um, no, there's, there's not a risk to suffocate. However, if they once experienced a swelling of, of the tongue and maybe of the uvula, they can have uh, restrictions in the airflow and that produces anxiety. And these patients, although there's no real risk to die, they still are very, they have a high level of anxiety yeah. and they need to be treated. The patients are disfigured. They can't work. They can't go to work That's for horrible. two days or yeah. even more because the swelling is not going away. They can't talk. They can't slip into their shoes. They can't um, uh, dial um, the emergency on the phone yeah. with a swollen hand. And, and it can happen quite often. Uh, you know, some patients have this uh, once a week or twice a week, so they go from oh, yeah. one episode to the yeah. next. No? Not different from hereditary angioedema, where attacks can also be frequent. Um, but for hereditary angioedema, we also have great treatment options these days. And, and due to, the, due to um, a higher burden, of, of um, or due to a higher impact of the disease um, of hereditary angioedema, I think treatment is very important. Yeah. The higher impact is due to the additional abdominal attacks, the additional risk to suffocate, um, and uh, the familiar characters, so children as well, can mm. be, can be um, affected. And that that produces an even higher impairment of quality of life in many patients. So it should be treated, and um, it it can be treated perfectly. Yes. It can be treated in different hereditary angioedema can be treated in different with different strategies. And it turned it turned out in the last years uh, that the strategy of a prophylactic treatment like we do it in Uticaria for decades right. now uh, is, is appropriate or the, 
the yeah, way to go. Turns out to be to give the best benefit yeah. to his patients as well, in most patients at least. Great, thank you. Look, Marcus, you are one of the fathers of ACARE, the twin network to you care. Um, since most angioedema patients are chronic spontaneous uticaria patients, why do we need an extra network that deals specifically with recurrent angioedema? What was the whole thinking behind this? Can you tell us a little bit more? Yeah. So, so recurrent angioedema, as I told, is much, much more. And it's, it's, it's true that the majority of the patients with recurrent angioedema at the end are diagnosed as chronic spontaneous urticaria. Yeah. They should be treated as chronic spontaneous urticaria absolutely the same way. However, um, the small number of other diagnoses Ooh. is not as small as it looks. Okay. So everybody who cares for patients with recurrent angioedema will find sooner or later other diagnoses in this population. And this population, this special population has special needs. And these special needs <clears throat> need to be, to be uh, evaluated and and um, yeah, evaluated by an expert and uh, realized by by a different treatment, different um, um, teaching to the patient, yeah. and that's that's why that is important. No, it makes complete sense uh, to me. And you know, they are twin networks. Uh, yeah. Many U cares are also A cares. Um, many A cares are also U cares, but the the network, ACARE, is growing very rapidly. You know, it's only a year old and uh, is almost half as big as the UCARE network. Yeah, what I'm, is that? I'm excited. I'm excited by this, by this obvious need uh, of an ACARE network. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't believe that. I believe that many would say, uh, yes, UCARE covers uh, quite a lot of things. But uh, there was a need, and uh, I'm happy Clearly. Uh, about so much enthusiasm. And um, you can see that yeah. in, in the first projects um, uh, developing in this network. Very this interesting project. project That's yeah. amazing. Super. Uh, look, the ACARE network uh, has a little bit of a different setup than the UCARE network. Yeah. It has uh, two mamas or two um, supporting societies, H-A-E-I, the Umbrella Society for the World's Patients Organization in her hereditary angioedema, in, in angioedema uh, actually, and, uh, and Galen. Um, what's the benefit of creating a physician-scientist network that is very tightly to um, a global patients network? Yeah. So these, these two partners can, can contribute um, um, a, yeah, um, a differential know-how. So especially HAEI, the, the patient organization, is working for, I believe now, 15 years now Very in the field, is extremely active. It has a worldwide network of experts and supporters and patients 
and they have an excellent infrastructure and they have good access yeah. to the patients itself. And, On the other hand, there's Galen, the physician course, yeah. part. Um, with the same aims, really, yeah. to bring these modern treatment options to patients, to increase the knowledge <laughs> on angioedema, all forms of angioedema, um, and to raise awareness and uh, be advocates together for patients with this disease. We need a lot more research. A-Care, together with U-Care and the partners, can provide a beautiful platform to do that. Marcus, it was great to have you here. I, I, my, I, I feel we could do this for the rest of the day and maybe we need to do it again, um, but we gotta go for now, uh, but not without my last question um, to you. Marcus, if there's one thing that you would like to tell the world about recurrent angioedema, how to deal with it, how to approach it, what, what should the world know in a nutshell about recurrent angioedema? Wow, what a question. That's, that's, that's a difficult question. Um, I think, I think recurrent, I think the most important in recurrent angioedema is that for the physician, that um, the pursuit of the correct diagnosis is the most important. Right. Never, never give up in in final in, in giving the patient a final diagnosis uh, to treat a patient um, with a uh, with a correct treatment. I couldn't agree more with you, Marcus. It still takes too long before patients with angioedema learn from their physicians why they have this, and that means delay in diagnosis, that means delay in treatment. And as you have very uh, nicely told us, that can be a lot of risk and danger. Marcus, thank you so much for joining us today. You're Folks, welcome. this is it. I hope you enjoyed this episode of All Things Urticaria with Marcus Maga, the angioedema expert and father of the A-Care Network. Uh, great to have you all on board. Thanks for listening in. If you have topics that you would want us to touch on in one of the next episodes, do let us know. For now, good luck with treating your patients with urticaria and angioedema. And if you are a urticaria or angioedema patient, never give up. We don't. Find your new, next U-Care, find your next A-Care, and we can tackle this together. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. MedThority would like to thank Marcus Maurer for that fascinating insight into UCARE. If you have any other questions regarding urticaria, please feel free to ask us via our website, www.medthority.com. Remember to tune in for the next episode of All Things Urticaria. From all of us at All Things Urticaria from MedThority, have a lovely week.